Hey, Weston, welcome to the Sermon Podcast of the Week. We hope you find encouragement through this message and God speaks to you in new ways. Our challenge to you is if you can share this link with a friend or family member for them to be encouraged to. I didn't plan for this, but the first way we're going to jump into the message was me sharing a little bit of a difficult situation in my life. Um, and many of you know the story, but when my mom passed away, um, it was the hardest thing I had ever had to deal with in my life. I was 23 years old, finished, I just finished four years of Bible school. It was a blessed time away studying God's Word. That's where I got involved in music ministry. We were traveling all up and down the East Coast in the States, uh, representing our Bible college, doing camps, and even getting opportunities to preach. But nothing prepared me for the news that Sunday night. I was living at home. I was a youth pastor in the city of Montreal, my hometown, when my mom... I. She wasn't home at night, and I was like, what's going on? Nothing prepared me for what I was about to hear. My dad said, Jonathan, mom went home to be with the Lord tonight. It was a tragic car accident. And I was like, wow. But this was one of the hardest times in my life. But like Priscilla said when she opened up the service, when you have nothing else to do, then we worship. And, and that's what I was doing. I was worshiping my way through it. And I had written a song as part of my graduation, like in my final senior year in music in Bible school. We had to compose a song. And I didn't know that the song I wrote for that project would become the song that I would actually sing at my mother's funeral service. And so it was like, one of the lyrics was, even in my darkest days, your love for me never ends. Now all I want to do is live my life for you, lifting up my hands, that is what I'll do. And then the chorus just goes on, I'll worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. That means when life's good and when life is bad. When it's easy and when it's really hard. And here's the thing. It wasn't the 23-year-old Jonathan alone that was able to walk through that situation and and get up at the piano and sing this song uh, and then minister to other people throughout that whole situation. But let me tell you, it was Jonathan and the anointing that God has on my life. And this morning, the title of the message and it's not for me, it's for each and every one of us as believers, is I am anointed. Whether you believe it or not is a different story, but I'm here to tell you, you are anointed. You are anointed. And as we jump into the Word this morning, I'm going to start by saying this. Did you know that God takes the anointing very seriously? The things of God, sometimes, you know, and I'm not here to judge you, but I know my own heart. Sometimes we just go through the motions, and in so doing, we cheapen what Jesus paid at a high price. It's given freely for you and me, right? But we sometimes take it for granted, or we take advantage of God's grace that He's freely given us. And when it comes to the anointing, it is the same thing. So if you have your Bible, 
Let's turn to Exodus chapter 30. And if you would stand with me as we read this part of God's word, Exodus chapter 30. We're not going to read the first part, but if you take notes, just make, make a mental note. Verses 22 to 28 give us the recipe for the anointing that God gave them in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. So again, the first part of Exodus 30, you can read it, verse 22 to 28, there, there's the recipe. And I want to read now, let's pick it up at verse 26, because here's what it says, Use this sacred oil to anoint the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the table, and all its utensils. Say utensils. It's important. We're going to get to that at the end of the message. The lampstand and all its accessories, the incense altar, the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, and the wash basin with its stand. Listen, verse 29. Consecrate them to make them absolutely holy. After this, whatever touches them will also become holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons also, consecrating them to serve me as priests. And say to the people of Israel, This holy anointing oil is reserved for me from generation to generation. It must never be used to anoint anyone else. And you must never make any blend like it for yourselves. It is holy. And you must treat it as holy. Anyone who makes a blend like it or anoints someone other than a priest will be cut off from the community. How many of you know now that God takes the anointing very seriously? We're going to pray, but I need you to know this, that you and I are priests. New Testament, we've been called priests and we have to do the work of the, of the ministry that God has entrusted to us. And we are anointed to accomplish our assignment as priests. And so this morning, um, let's pray and we're going to jump in. Father, I thank you that your word is already anointed. But now as a human, as your servant, I ask your anointing upon me. That I might preach your word the way you want me to. And Lord, even as I am speaking on the very subject of anointing. God, I ask for it in full measure. And Lord, not just for me, but everyone who would hear your word today. Let the oil flow from Jesus, the head of the church, all the way down to the rest of the body, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In the passage that we read, yes, I went to the Old Testament, but that's where we find the origin of the anointing and how God described it and how he gave the recipe. He, he outlined exactly how to make it how to use it, and also how not to use it. And so God's allowed to be as specific as he wants. And I've said this before in our lives. He can be specific. Like Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's, it's not excluding people. It's being specific. And so the, the door is open to whosoever will. And so when it comes to the anointing, God as well has the right to establish the parameters by which we can operate under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? In the Old Testament, anointing was applied with oil. 
Anointing was always for a purpose. And if you don't know this, well, I'm going to tell you that oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So New Testament now, that makes more sense for us. So in the New Testament, there's the spiritual meaning where it refers to the act of being anointed with the Holy Spirit. And when a Christian is anointed spiritually by the Holy Spirit, it sanctifies the Holy Spirit's influence in the Christian's life. So it sets me apart for God's intended purposes for my life. So then the question is, what is the anointing? Harper's Bible Dictionary. I'll give you this definition, and then we'll just break it down a bit more. Harper's Bible Dictionary says it like this. To anoint or to cover the body or an object with oil or ointment. So that points to what we find oftentimes in the Old Testament. Anointing was a means of investing someone with power. So you're given a responsibility, but you're also given power to do the task, such as King David, who was anointed as king for a purpose. It can also signify divine sanctification, a setting apart, or approval upon the ministry that God has given. It can also signify the consecration of someone or something for a holy purpose, like we read in Exodus 30 about the tabernacle. Jacob is another Old Testament example where he anointed a pillar at Bethel, calling the place the house of God, Bethel. And so there's an example for us. And I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. How many of you know that you are anointed for a purpose today? Can you say amen? So then the question is, why do I need it? Why do I need the anointing? And I was sharing this a little bit with the dream team this morning as we prayed and prepared our hearts for this morning's ministry time. But basically, it takes the ordinary and natural and makes it extraordinary or, and supernatural. So you might look at me holding the mic, standing behind this pulpit on this platform and say, Oh, Pastor John, if only I could be like him. Don't fool yourself. I just ask my wife. I'm a husband. I do well sometimes, and sometimes I fail hard. I'm a father. Sometimes I father well, and other times I'm out, out to lunch. And my wife's like, hello. I'm a son. Sometimes I was a good son. I still am a son today. And sometimes I'm not that good. And my wife's like, you should give your dad a call. When was the last time you guys chatted? Hi, Dad, if you're watching, I love you. <laughs> I'm human. So don't be fooled. I'm not, I'm not up here for a show. But if there's anything of consequence that comes out of my mouth or the ministry that I bring this morning, it is only because I've made myself available, which is very important. But on the other hand, it's ordinary and natural. But when the anointing comes, why do we need it? It takes the ordinary, because that's all I really could bring, and it then makes it extraordinary. It takes only my natural ability and multiplies it into something to bring about a supernatural result. So on the days where you're struggling in the, in the natural self, don't discount what God wants to do through you. Don't be like, well, it's Monday. My, my morning was horrible. And discount the rest of the day. No, no, no. 
you're anointed, and even in the crummy way you feel maybe tomorrow morning, you pull it together, and you say, Lord, despite my feelings, because feelings come and feelings go, God, I thank you for the anointing. It takes whatever and however I'm feeling and makes it useful in your hands. There were utensils in the tabernacle, but New Testament, guess what? We are the utensils that are set apart for the master's use. Can you say amen? And again, that's why availability is important. I have to make myself available for God to use me. Or else, what good is the anointing on your life if you're not available to God? So why do I need it? It takes the ordinary and natural, makes it extraordinary and supernatural. And here's the other part, which is a huge one. The anointing dismantles everything that Satan had planned for your life. It breaks the yoke of bondage off of you. That's why I need the anointing. It keeps me grounded, but it also keeps me mindful of the fact that I need him every hour. God, I need your anointing. It breaks off any pride and selfishness, and it dismantles the plan of the enemy for your life. You know what he wants to keep you? He wants to keep you chained and bound in your sin, chained and bound in your addiction, and he wants to keep you. It's almost like, have you ever seen the elephant at the circus? There's an illustration where from the time an elephant is a baby, they chain it to this little tent peg in the ground. So the elephant learns, oh, I can't pull it out. It keeps growing, but it develops this mindset of, oh, yeah, I'm bound. I, I can't move. And then you look at this ginormous elephant with a little chain and a, a peg in the ground thinking, how is that elephant not running around going crazy? It's because he's been conditioned to think, this is all I've got. And my friend, I wonder how many Christians are going through life thinking, oh, the enemy, oh, I'm under his feet. But instead, when we read the Bible and understand how Jesus gave us authority as believers and he's anointed us to accomplish our assignment, then how many of you know you can break the yoke of bondage and you're set free in Jesus' name? You are anointed. So some of us, we need to break off the old mindset of what, and it's a lie that you've believed about yourself, the, limit, the limiting belief or the limiting lies. And you say, today, no more, devil. I'm not under your feet. You're under my feet. We used to sing enemies camp back in the day. I was on drums. He's under my feet. He's under, I'm not the singer, my wife is, but... Satan is under my feet. I went to the enemy's camp and I took what he stole from me. I took Boom, 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 boom. So we used to sing it and then people would go right out the door all happy but then Monday comes around and they're right back in the same rut and the same pattern. So my friend, it's, it's not just the song that we sing. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Now here's the thing. You might be free today, 
But God might lead you to those who are not. And the anointing is not just for you, but it's meant to overflow and to flow to those around you. And we're going to get to this in just a minute. Why do I need it? That's why. How do I get it now? And this is where we're going to spend our time this morning. How do I get it? The anointing always flows from the head down. From the head down. If you go home, make a note. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands a blessing, even life forevermore. But there's a part there where it talks about the oil that flowed from Aaron's beard. Down his head, down his beard, all the way down. Like the dew of Hermon, I believe. Mount Hermon. Because it didn't matter how dry it was, there was dew. There was always, that's like the anointing. It flows. It flows. Let me ask you a question. Who is the head of this church? Don't say me, please. It's Jesus. Jesus is the head of his church. So the oil flows from the top to the bottom. And this is, I have it in my notes for the end, but I don't care. Last week I went off the notes. I'm going to go off the notes today. My question then is, are you in alignment and living in fellowship with Jesus? You want the anointing, you have to position yourself close enough to the head. Close enough to the body. By the way, this is the body of Christ today, his church. If he's the head of the church, we're the body of Christ. We are living stones. His spirit lives inside of us, but hear me for a minute. Oh, I want the anointing. I want the anointing. Get in alignment. Get close to Jesus. Get close to the body of Christ. That's why how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in what? Unity. And there the Lord commands his what? Blessing, even life forevermore. Therefore, the enemy can't stop a united church. As we come together and we, we go in strength and in power, in unity and in the blessing and favor of God. And so if you're struggling, if you're struggling and saying, God, I need the anointing. My question is, how close are you aligned and in fellowship with him as the head and then with the body? And think about it. And I'm not here to, I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying there's anointing oil that flows. And the whole of Jesus's body was anointed when he walked this earth. And it should be true of his church today as the body. Can you say amen? And so there's a part I play. And there's a part we all have to play as Christians. I'm not saying as the pastor. I as, as a believer. And I have to get closer and closer to Jesus. So how do I get it? It flows, number one, from the head down. Jesus is the head. His anointing is flowing. But we got to live in alignment and in fellowship. And then I would add to that, and I've alluded to it already, you got to be available and be surrendered fully to him. Be available. God, you've anointed me for a purpose. Now I'm going to walk in that purpose and in that calling. So I'm, I'm available, God. For some of us, it might mean that we have to actually make room in our calendar. 
It might mean we have to say no to some invitations to parties or weddings or events. I don't, I don't know what's, what's on your calendar or what invitations get sent your way. It might mean I'm, I got to make space. As parents, I know things are about, like, they're going to get crazy because school's starting and the pace is just different all the way up until Christmas until we get a breather. And guess what? Church, it's not like it's slow either. But you have to make space. You have to make space and say, Jesus, I need this time with you. I need to draw closer with you. The busier life gets, the more important this is. And so availability, it's not just like, God, I'm here Sunday morning, 1030. I'm right on time, God. Right? It's God's happy you're here. We're happy you're here. We should be here. It's important. It also matters when we go. And what we do the rest of the 168, 66 and a half hours that we do. So I'm available, God, but I'm surrendered. That means it's not my will, it's yours. And, and Lord, if you ask things that I don't like, it's okay. And help me to say yes and to do them anyway. Practically, it might be you're on your worst Monday morning tomorrow, but Sally's crying at her desk, or Mike is just swearing and kicking things at work, and you're having a bad day, but you feel the prompt, and the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to go and just say, is everything okay? And you're like, no, that's awkward. I'm having a bad day. Lord, don't, don't you care about me, God? And he's saying, you're anointed for a purpose, and you got to go. And I'm asking, I'm Right? It might be just, hey, pick up the phone and call someone. Call so-and-so. And he, Holy Spirit's pretty specific if he wants. He can give you name. He can give you time even. And I, I can't tell you so many times I've randomly called someone and they just said, Pastor, you have no idea what I just prayed. And then you just called. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I'm just picking up the phone because I felt it. To call you. It didn't even feel spiritual sometimes for me. But when you're walking in the anointing, God can govern and direct those steps. Why? Because I've said, God, I'm available. Lord, I've surrendered. And so it's your will. You know, they, and oftentimes, if I'm honest, Holy Spirit divine appointments oftentimes feel like interruptions to my daily plans. And for some of you, I needed to say it that way because you're so type A, list, bullet points to do. All of this is like check, check, check. And you don't make, there's no interruption because it's, you got to get through the list because you're that organized. God loves organization too. But here's the thing. You can't let your to-do list trump what God might be asking you to do. So I'm just saying it might feel like an interruption but can we just say, God, I, I welcome interruptions in my day. Even if it's not from here, but it might be from here. Lord, I welcome the interruptions. And I'll make some room for those too. We're talking about how do I get it. Be available to God. Be surrendered to God. I also want to say that the anointing is tangible. The anointing is tangible. So we're going to go through some scripture. Acts 19 
says in verse 11, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. Listen to this, verse 12. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin or his hand were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Think about that. I'm not here to comment on tele-evangelists who say, I'm going to send you this piece of cloth that I've anointed, and I, I don't subscribe to that kind of thing. We're by the holy water. If anything, I'd be like, eh, tastes a little funky. And I, but I'm not mocking either. Just I'm saying people have made the anointing something that it never was meant to be. So I don't mock. I don't make fun of ministries because each person will give an account, you and me included, We'll give our own account to God for what we've done. And so you'll never hear me or our staff, because I told our staff, you'll never hear me bash another pastor or a preacher from this pulpit or on social media. Why? Because they will give an account to God for what he's asked of them, and so will each of us. And so uh, I'd much rather talk about Jesus and, and let the lost see the love of God than to see ministers bashing one another um, to say, you're wrong, no, you're wrong. And so the anointing is tangible. Oh, yeah, I was talking about the televangelists. So that's the thing. God cares about the anointing. And I would say it's a misuse when I begin to profit financially off of something that's not mine to begin with, which is the anointing. God bestows it upon us, but it's for his purpose, for my life, not for me. And so that's, like, use that filter and say, if you feel uneasy about a certain minister, I would just say, ask the Holy Spirit to give you clarity as to why you feel the check in your spirit, to give you wisdom and discernment. Don't just throw your money because they say, we'll pray for your sick one and they'll be healed, or we'll send you this piece of cloth that we've prayed over. But hear me, the anointing is tangible. Hear me. So put the money aside. The anointing is tangible because we see the example in Paul's ministry where the anointing for healing and unusual miracles, the Bible says, was upon him. Remember that oil flows thick and it's not cheap. God cares about the anointing and when it's used rightly before God and man, there's power. So there's, there's the tangible anointing that Paul The handkerchiefs were touching his skin, the the cloth, if you will, and people were being healed and demons were being cast out just because of the cloth. So my friend, the anointing is a powerful force that God can use, but it's, it's tangible. But hear me on this side, you can't buy it. You can't buy it. Look at Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read it quickly, but you can write the reference. Acts 8 verse 18 says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Verse 19, Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Good desire, but he misunderstood the anointing completely. He said, I want to buy it so that they will receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, but Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. 
So you can't buy the anointing, but it is tangible. And I want to make sure we understand that. So two examples in Scripture this morning. If you're with me, say amen. 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 The first is an Old Testament one, one of my favorite characters, David. David. David was anointed, and we find that anointing in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 3. And here's what it says. 1 Samuel 16, verse 3. And it says, So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. He did his thing. He anointed and then he left. So here's David. The prophet shows up. He looks and surely he thinks it's this kid. The the oldest son looks good. And it was like, no, no, no. And if I'm Samuel, I'm going... Really, God? No, no, no. He gets to number seven, and that's the end of the line. He says to Jesse, do you have any more sons? Oh, yeah, there's David, but he's, you know, with the sheep. And he goes, okay, bring him here. I need, I need to see him. And then Samuel himself learns an important lesson. Because, oh, oh, God, now I see We look on the outside, you look on the heart. And he said, David's the guy I've chosen, not the other ones that you thought with your eye looked like the right fit. And so it ends up being David, and he pours the special oil of anointing we read from Exodus 30 upon David. And the oil flows. And it says the Holy Spirit came mightily upon him from that day forward. You know, it's amazing. From there, we see that David, you'd think like, hey, he's anointed king. It it doesn't happen right away. He goes back to the sheep. So he came in smelly. Then he had the anointing oil. And then he goes right back. But here's the thing. It's okay. Because how many of you know God has purpose and his timing is the right timing? So here's the amazing thing. So As he's with the sheep again, he's already anointed as king. He was summoned once from from the sheep to to the house. He's anointed, goes back. There's another summoning for David, and this time it's for King Saul. And he's being tormented by these evil spirits. Saul was not into God too much by this point. He's doing his own thing. And he says, bring me a skilled musician who can minister to me. Well, guess who was called? Tap, tap, tap. Hey, David, the king has use of you. And he has to show up now into the palace. And he has to minister under the king for the king because he's being tormented. I need you to see the the trajectory of this story for David and I know I've said this years maybe ago, but there's, there's a difference between your anointing and your time of appointing. And there's about 20 years that pass from the time David was first anointed to the time where he's finally appointed as the king. But what is he doing meanwhile? He's doing what he always did. He's at work nine to five 
or all day long with the sheep, all night long, taking watch, protecting the flock for his father. But then here comes the Lord. He's anointed as king. Now he's being summoned to the palace. It's for me, I, I, I have to say this too. Worship, there's power in worship there's an, when there's an anointing. It's the difference between a performance and a life-changing experience and encounter with God. And our prayer at Weston every time is never look at this like a stage. We don't, we're not performers on a stage, but we're ministers on a platform, ministering, number one, to our audience of one, the Lord. And then our job is, as the worship team, is to bring, invite you in. Invite you in to the presence of the Lord. And I can tell you, I've walked into many concerts where, um, I say concerts, they weren't Christian. And it's like the music's bopping, it's good. Um, but there's nothing that moves me. It, like, yeah, good music, but nothing's changed. In fact, I've been to a concert, this was like pre-Bible school, way back in Montreal, and every, like, I, I've, I could smell weed. And I was like, we're at a hockey arena. I don't even think you could smoke inside. But you can smell it. And I was like, very interesting. Never went to another concert like that again. But there's a very different aroma when you come into the house of the Lord. It's different, and it should be different from anything else you've walked into all week long, except maybe your home, because that should be a, a consecrated space for you and your family. But worship has the ability to change the atmosphere. And let me go back to how I opened this message with my mom's passing. There was such an emptiness inside this 23-year-old boy when my mom died. I was a mama's boy through and through. But it was worship that changed the atmosphere from depression and darkness to hope and joy. But I would drive my car through the, through Ver, the hills of Vermont as I was going to visit some friends. And the worship music was blaring so loud to old school Planet Shaker songs. And, and I would just tear, like I couldn't even barely see the road. But the, my car became my sanctuary of worship. And the atmosphere in me changed in those moments. Worship changes the atmosphere, which gave me a completely different picture of my life and reality. Yes, Jonathan, what you're walking through is, is hard, but I'm with you. And I knew in those moments, the closer I got to Jesus, the more I felt the anointing to make it through another day. And so, friend, I want to encourage you. Be a worshiper wherever you go. And you don't know what kind of doors are going to open. But here's David. And the tap came and said, King Saul needs you. And so he came and he was ready to minister. And he came to minister. Here's the thing. It's amazing because it's almost like God gave David a glimpse of his, his future, but he wasn't there yet. It was the already, but not yet. And I, I know I wrote it down somewhere, so I'm just trying to find it. Because some of you, God has called you. He's shown you your purpose. You know it, but you're kind of like David where you're with the sheep. 
and you know that God's anointed you for a greater task and a greater purpose, and maybe even you got a glimpse of it like David, this is prophetically for someone who needs this today, and you are just, oh, the king needs you. And you're like, but, but I'm anointed to do far more than just play my instrument, but this is what God has asked of you in this season. Be faithful. Be faithful, and he's going to use you. He's anointed you for a purpose. This might just not be the season yet. Again, David, 20 years, but he was faithful. 20 years, but he was faithful. You know what happens after he ministers to the king? He calms down. The next chapter, 1 Samuel 17, we see the story of David and Goliath. And, you know, David... He's, again, just serving. He's doing his daily thing. And his dad's like, go give me a report. He goes, if you've never heard the story, Goliath is there. The Israelite army is on the other side. And he's saying, send me a fighter who will fight. Let's do it this way, one-on-one. And the Israelite army is terrified. King Saul is not doing anything. He doesn't know what to do. Here comes David. He hears all of this. And he says, what's the reward for someone who takes care of Goliath. You know, what, you know what upset David when he showed up? It was the way Goliath was speaking and defy, defiling the Lord. He's like, who, who would ever dare speak about my Lord like this? That's what messed with him and his spirit. And he said, I'm not going to put up with this. So word goes to King Saul, and they're no stranger, but Here's what I want to get at. When he said, I'll fight, King Saul didn't know what to say. He's like, he's a champion. You're just a a little kid. But he's like, all right. And he says this. Listen to this. He goes, here, put this on. And David says, this is not my anointing. He takes it off and he says, this is not what I'm walking in right now. In other words, I'm not going to wear the king's armor. Take this off. I'm going to fight with what I've been anointed to in this season to do. Give me the sling. I'm going to get the stones, and I'm going to kill the giant. It would have been kind of cheeky if David would have been like, that's right, put the king armor on me. I'm going to go at this. Because Saul was a, a tall man, head and shoulders above everyone else. So It's not that David was a little punk. It was just that Saul was that big as well. But here's the thing. It wasn't the right time to wear the king's armor. Because he still wasn't appointed yet, even though he was anointed. And so he said, I'm just going to use what I'm doing now. What God has anointed me to do now, I'm going to carry it out. And so I'm going to use the sling. I'm going to use the stone And I'm going to take this giant out. And that's exactly what he did. So all that to say, your anointing is not my anointing. Your anointing is not my anointing. Again, don't compare what you do to what I do. Because your anointing is not my anointing. And my anointing is not your anointing. And I know some of you are like, I wish I could. And you fill in the blank. Don't. Compare yourself. As a minister, I had to learn very quickly that if I watch YouTube sermons, man, I felt this big 
Because I'm like, these guys are so good. They're expert orators and communicators of which, you know, it's good to study to show yourself approved. It's good to learn how to communicate better and to, to hone in on your craft and your skill. But hear me, I had to stop. I had to stop and for fear that I would start to sound like a Bishop T.D. Jakes. I'm like, play that organ. <laughs> But I'm not T.D. Jakes. I'm not a Pastor Stephen Furtick. I'm not a Pastor David DiStallo. I'm Jonathan Manna. And I have to operate in the anointing that God has given me. I'm not a T.J. Malkanji. You know, I, I, get the cardio workout in. But I can't compare. So do yourself a favor and do God a favor. He created you to be you. So stop trying to be someone he didn't create you to be. You are anointed to live your life and to accomplish your assignment. Your anointing is not my anointing. You say, Pastor John, time's going. Two examples from scripture. First was David. Second one is Jesus. Did you know that Jesus didn't operate on his own ability either? That he was anointed. If you have your Bible, maybe it's open to Acts. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. If Jesus needed to be anointed with the Holy Spirit to do the work that he had to do, then you and me need the same Holy Spirit to anoint us to do the work that we've been called to do. I'm not excluded. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit's anointing, friend, we need it too. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. He was quoting the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. The oppressed will be set free. There's a story in the Gospels. And if you need a reference, you could read, you know what, Mark chapter 5. Let's go there. You okay? You have a, a bit more in you? Mark chapter 5. I, I said, Lord, to the measure that you've put it in me, I'm going to pour it out this morning. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. I want to read this. Um, I said verse 21. Give me one second. I don't want to read the whole thing. I just want to jump to the, the point. Oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, well, yeah, we'll start reading verse 21. So Mark 5, verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. And verse 24, Jesus went with him and all the people followed 
crowding around him. Listen, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything. Say everything. She spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and, listen, touched what? His robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Verse 29, immediately. Say immediately. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. I love this part. Jesus realized that once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? I said this before, but I wanted to read you this story to understand the picture. If Jesus is the head, he walked this earth the whole of his body was anointed. This story proves it. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his robe, I can be healed. And surely what happened? She was. Money couldn't fix her issue. No, no advice, no self-help, no eat this or try that. It says she spent everything that she had, and in fact, she got worse. And she said, but if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I could be healed. And Jesus stops. And he says, who touched me? It didn't say her hand like grazed against his calf. And he felt it. And Just the robe. The garment. That's the tangible anointing on his clothing, if you will. And she was healed. And he said, who touched me? I felt healing virtue flow out of me. And if you can keep that picture in mind, that's Jesus physically on this earth, walking and talking like you and me. And as the church, that's the picture. The head is Jesus Christ. We are the body. And from the top down, the anointing flows. What does that mean? The whole of this body of Christ is anointed. And I want to teach you in this way that you're anointed just as I am anointed. What do, Pastor, okay, what do you mean though? Sometimes we could get into this rut where you're like, oh, I got I to I bring this friend of mine to church. If only the pastor would pray with them, maybe they would see what I'm talking about all the time. Or if, you know, their, their, their son is sick and I just, I know that if Pastor John could come or Pastor Miguel could come, that, that I know that God could do something. And this week I actually had a phone call with someone. They live about an hour away. And they said, We've been, we, wanna, we want this to be our home church. It's just so far. But we love Weston. And I've been hearing more and more stories like this. But um, I never spoken to this lady, but she said, I have a boss and her son is going through a very dark time and is considering ending his life through the government-assisted program and all this stuff. She said, I believe there's actually a date on the calendar for September, end of September. And so she feels the urgency. I said, listen, I might never get there. But I said, you have your boss as a, a connection point. And I said, maybe if your boss is willing, just start praying with your boss for her son. And we'll see what happens. But here's the thing. A lot of times we think, I got to get them to the higher up people, the pastors. 
But if the whole of the body of Christ is anointed, guess what? Even one day when we will have parking attendants, the anointing flows all the way out. All the way out. So our kids right now are being ministered to downstairs. There's no junior Holy Spirit. You've heard me say this. There's no lesser anointing because they're smaller in frame or in size or in age. But we pray full measure of anointing upon our Weston Kids workers and Pastor Tara and the team. And let the oil flow all the way. All the way. So even if you're a greeter and you serve on Dream Team, someone walks in and, and you know just by how they look, man, they've had a rough day or a rough week. You could it's, take a second and say, hey, is everything okay? And they might just open up and you might be like, I wasn't ready for someone to vomit on me this early on, on a Sunday morning. But listen, hey, come aside. Let me pray with you. Why? Because the anointing flows. If it's stuck over here... Or just with the pastors, we're in trouble. Because the needs are far greater than any two or three or five people can handle. That's why we need the anointing. That's why we need to operate in the anointing that God gives us. So we looked at David, we looked at Jesus, but we're going to end with you. Is that okay? You're anointed. You're anointed. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 20 says, In a wealthy home... Some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. Listen to this. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions. All the families that have those say amen. And the cheap ones are used every day or for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, put your hand, beat your chest for a second. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So back to David and his little trajectory. You're not hidden. You're being saved for a special purpose. You're not hidden. You're being saved for a special purpose. You're being saved for a special purpose purpose. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning as we get ready to close? We hope you enjoyed listening to our message today. If you feel led to give to our ministry today, go check out our website, westgrovechurch.com forward slash give, and we'd really appreciate it. We hope you have a blessed day.